0: Chase Thomas podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs
1: me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate
2: it. All right, good evening, and welcome back to a Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I'm joined by Los Angeles Times soccer writer, Kevin Baxter. Kevin, good evening, sir. How are you?
1: Okay, it's really busy out here right now. We got the MLS All-Star game. We got Angel City, our new NWSL team, signing coaches and players and uh, we got uh, two MLS teams that are really uh, having a tough go of it right now. There's a lot of stuff going on.
2: Well, before we get into the LA Galaxy, um, what what's going on? When we when we were talking last night, you were just you were going through you're shifting through a lot of a lot of Angel City news. What uh, you you alluded to it a little bit at the top here. What uh, what's going on right now with this new NWSL team?
1: Well, it's, uh, you know, for people who uh, haven't been sort of following this, uh, Angel City is the new NWSL team that will begin playing next spring. And they have a management ownership group of about 60 investors. And it's uh, really deep pocketed. A lot of Hollywood uh, luminaries, uh, Eva Longoria, Jessica Chastain, uh, you know, people of that ilk. Serena Williams is a, is a co-owner. Alexi O'Hanion, uh is a co-owner. Billie Jean King. Uh, There are six or seven U.S. national team, former U.S. national team members. Uh, Julie Foudy uh, is one. Uh, Mia Hamm is is another. Uh, Abby Wambach. So uh, there's a lot of A-list celebrities part of this ownership group. And uh, as I said, they don't begin playing until next year. They're uh, 13 months old now. And uh, this summer they have signed uh, their first sporting director, Luku, who uh, is coming over from Aston Villa. Aston Villa in England. They also just signed a coach this weekend, Freya Coombe, who is the coach at New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC, and NWSL. She'll leave that position at the end of the season and become Angel City's coach. But the big mm-hmm. news is today uh, the team announced that uh, Christian Press has become their first player, the U.S. national team player. She is from Southern California, which was really important to Angel City. They wanted to bring somebody that could relate to the community. Uh She's bilingual um obviously a star with the national team she's a two-time world cup champion she's never had a chance to play a club game at home in her entire career we haven't had a, a a professional team in la since the la soul folded in 2010 and christian press began her professional career in 2011 so this is her first chance to play at home and i think the really exciting part is we've talked about the deep pocketed owners at angel city they put their money where their mouth was uh, christian press has a three-year contract with seven hundred thousand dollars It's the most expensive contract or most lucrative contract in NWSL history. And unlike some past contracts where some of the money was subsidized by the U.S. Soccer uh, Federation because Christian Press is a national team player. She's she's able to receive uh, some money from U.S. Soccer. All of this, the whole $700,000 plus will all be paid by Angel City.
2: Interesting. So... Um what with this because it is growing in popularity and I, I I feel like I went to Atlanta Beat Games years and years ago. Um way back in the day when I was when I was a kid, but it, I think they're what 10 teams, 12 teams, is it 10 still right yeah, now?
1: Yeah, but it, well it's growing. It'll be it'll be 12 next year because we're going to have uh Angel City and mm. San Diego are going to enter the league. Um yeah, I mean anything that you saw 5 years ago or 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 are more is a totally different game the women's Mm. game is is pretty incredible now if you see bad women's soccer um there's almost nothing worse a bad woman's soccer is probably just like bad men's soccer it's tough to watch and some of the countries that don't have that don't really support their women's teams uh where there's not a professional league, where there's not a lot of funding some of those some of those teams are a little ragged but when you look at the top flight teams and uh, you're talking about the, you know, the, for example, the women's uh, U.S. women's national team, the, the Netherlands, France, Sweden, Australia, uh, Brazil, uh, Canada. When you look at those teams, the level of soccer is really, really good, and we're starting to see that in the NWSL and, and in in the women's professional league in England as well, where there's a lot of investment. Teams like Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, spending a lot of money, signing a lot of really good players and it's starting to spread we're seeing a woman's league really taking root in spain in italy they're starting to draw big crowds in the netherlands i think the u.s still probably has the best players uh the u.s national team and then and then the league because we draw a lot of really good foreign players here as well um but yeah if you saw a woman's game five years ago or more it's a different game now you really need to get out and see it again
2: um, well, let's move to another team that you covered, the Los Angeles Galaxy. Um, Chicharito, what would you, how would you do it, characterize his importance to this team this year?
1: Well, he's been out two months now, and yeah. he's still, he still has twice as many goals as anyone else on the team, and he's mid-season. the season. So, yeah, that shows how much uh, how important he is. Now, in the the Galaxy, have lost two in a row now, both of them both losses coming at home. They have scored uh, one goal. In each of the last six games, they scored, I think it's six goals in their last seven games. There was a shutout in there. Haven't scored in double digits for a while. Um, they're sort of getting, you know, they're sort of uh, um, running on fumes right now. They missed Chicharito, but as Greg Vanny, the coach, pointed out after the last game, they're just, not, uh, they're just not playing defense. They're not applying themselves on defense. And he explained what he meant by that. Um, they're not creating offensive chances. And the reason they're not creating offensive chances is they're because they're not playing defense. He talked about a stat that uh, I had never seen before, but he referenced where the Galaxy, the Galaxy gets the ball deeper in their end than any other team in the league. So w- when they allow teams to come deep into their end before the Galaxy are able to tackle uh, and take the ball back, that leaves them needing to go 85 to 90 yards the other way to get an offensive chance. and It's pretty hard to dribble 90 yards up the field against an uh, MLS team. And get into position to score a goal. I mean, you, you, you know, you can do it occasionally on a breakaway or something. But the Galaxy are allowing teams to get so deep into their into their end that when they do get a turnover, they have a long way to go on the other end, and they're just not creating opportunities. And the opportunities that they do create, um, they're not converting them. So they have a real problem defensively, and, and now it's manifesting itself on offense. Uh, it, it's been a real up and down season it's very strange they're tied for second in the league with 11 wins but they have eight losses i think that's tied for third or fourth in the league so you know they're among the leaders and wins among the leaders and losses uh they're just not scoring right now they miss chicharito he's been out two months and the news today from mls all-star game is that both javier hernandez chicharito of the galaxy and carlos Vela of lafc will not play in the all-star game uh, Vela hurt his uh, re-injured his quadriceps on the artificial turf in Vancouver on Saturday. He's out. Chicharito's been out with a calf injury. He's missed two months. That was the same calf, by the way, that caused him to miss two months last year. So Chicharito getting a little old, having to health problems, recurring health problems, the same calf. So neither one of them will play in the All-Star game this weekend. And what that means is, by MLS rules, this was a rule put in during the Zlatan Ibrahimovic days. Solatan did not want to travel to an All Star game in Atlanta, did not want to play on the turf, and didn't want to make the trip. So he simply passed on the All Star game. And MLS said, if you miss the All Star game, you can't play in your club's next game. So Chicharito and Vela are going to miss the All Star game. That means they have to miss Saturday's El Trafico to the inner city derby game, derby game between LAFC and and Galaxy. It'll be on national TV, on Big Fox. No Vela, no Chicharito in that either.
2: Mmm. Not great. Not great. Um if you had to explain what the LA, the LA Galaxy does well this year and what they have struggled with, what would you say the biggest biggest uh indicators are both ways?
1: Well, that's weird because I would I would point to intangibles for what they do well. Um they're very cohesive. They have a really good locker room. Um the guys really seem to get along. Um you know, there there are some problems now with the way they're playing, you know, as we mentioned, the defense. And, and one of the issues with them, um, which is strange because we talked about the good, or I talked about the good locker room and the good vibe around the team. 17 players um, have made their debut, their Galaxy debut this year. Under Greg Vanney, they've completely remade the roster. In their last game, three of the players that started weren't even here at the start of the summer. So mid-June, they weren't even, they weren't even on the team. They weren't even in the country. Uh, and now they're starting for the Galaxy, so it's kind of a work in progress. It's been a thing where Greg Vanney has to bring players in, he has to get them accustomed to his style of play, they have to get apartments. partner, so some of them need translators, there's four players that came from France that don't speak English, um, they need to get acclimated. And in addition to learning the MLS style of play, which you know most players will tell you it's a little bit more physical, much more athletic than many leagues around the world, um, so they have to get used to the travel. Um, and, and that's I think one of the things that's been holding the Galaxy back as players go on international duty and we're expecting to lose the Galaxy expecting to lose Sebastian Legette, Jonathan Dos Santos and probably Efrain Alvarez to World Cup qualifying start September that creates three more open spots where players that are get, that uh, you know uh, have to go in and fill those holes so Greg Vanny's had a real balancing act this year of trying to get players up to speed on the way he wants to play but then plugging holes as he goes. As I said, seventeen players completely new to the galaxy this season. You know, that's more than half the team.
2: Yeah. Mm. Well, what are you? What are you, what are the storylines you're looking? You're most looking forward to monitoring uh, after the All Star game and when everybody's back.
1: Well, yeah, getting Chicharito back will be big because mm. um, they 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 have tried to replace him. They've signed some players. Um, it really hasn't worked out the way they wanted. But um, those players are getting a lot of uh, a lot of game time. We look at Samuel Brasier and, and Kevin Cabral. They're kind of trying to carry the, the, the offensive load right now, not doing all that well, obviously. The team's not scoring. But once Chicharito comes back, it sort of helps them carry that load. I think the Galaxy gets better. I mean, they're going to have players that now have a lot of game experience, um, you know, that have been forced to become maybe a little more creative, forced to become a little more offensive. Uh, Chicharito comes back, takes some of that load back. I just think it makes the Galaxy better and deeper. But when when do they get Chicharito back? When he went out, the first game he missed was July 4th. Uh, he came out and warmed up for that game and then went back to the locker room with, with the calf injury. And we've been told virtually every week since then, it's been eight weeks now, we've been told, oh, yeah, he's got a chance to play this week. You know, he's 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 doing really well in training. He's got a chance to play this week. And, and he just hasn't. So... um, You know, they need to get him back there now. They're still in in the hunt for the supporter's shield. They got a little bit of work to do. They're certainly looking good for a playoff spot. And when you think about that, if they get Chicharito back, he can't play in a classical. That's that's the 28th. Gets two more weeks off. The first game he'll be able to play is September 11th when they come back. Um, So that's, you know, two months left in the season, a little less than two months. When you think about it, they're going to add Chicharito for the last two months of the season. That's like making a trade for a designated player. Uh, you add that guy to your to your team, and by then, I mean, it would be almost three months that he's been out. He should be healthy. He should be ready to go the distance. I just think that that makes the Galaxy that much better. So that's kind of the storyline I'm looking for is when Chicharito comes back, um, the uh, lineup adjustments they're going to have to make, it's just going to make them so much deeper and so much better. I look for them to make a real push to the playoffs, and, and once they get there, I think they're going to be really dangerous.
2: Interesting. What can you what can you tell the listeners about Nico? Uh, I'm gonna butcher this last name. I'm gonna butcher it.
1: Yeah, I know. That's why I don't even try it. <laughs>
2: Hamelainen? Hamelainen?
1: Yeah, that, that's 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 pretty good. Okay. Yeah, Nico Hamelainen. He is. Uh, um, he's actually from Miami, but mm-hmm. his parents are from Scandinavia. So uh, he's played he's played in Scandinavia, but he he had a short trial a couple of years ago with LAFC, so he knows the LA area. Um, he doesn't take uh, uh, um, an international slot because he is—he uh, was born in Miami. He is from the U.S. Um, they got him – the idea was to bring him in as someone who could play on the wing, who could be offensive, who could push the ball forward a little bit. Um, but it was also depth for – they had Danilo Acosta as the backup to Jorge Villafaña on the, uh, at left back. Um, and Daniel Ocasio is coming back from a pretty serious injury a year ago. He's played a little bit, but hasn't been effective, and, and, and I think the Galaxy were a little concerned about his durability, and Nico became available. They brought him in. He started the last. He played the last two games. Jorge Villafane is dealing with a knock, so, so Nico's played, and he's played well. He had an unfortunate incident in the last game against San Jose in which the, uh, uh, the winning goal actually deflected in off him. It was an own goal. Uh, and uh, you know it came in off Nico uh, and that cost the galaxy the game. Really wasn't Nico's fault though and that's the that's the thing that's kinda missed is he was he was uh covering for another defender who had blown their assignment and the ball ba- you know, Nico hustling to get there to get in position, the ball bounces off him from a tough angle, goes in, everyone thinks Nico made the mistake. Not at all. Nico was covering for another guy who was doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. Just an unfortunate incident um, but it, I, I see him more as a depth guy. I think that Galaxy really like Jorge Viafania. He'll be the starter when he comes back. Um, but talking about, you know, where the Galaxy is right now, I, I think this game coming up on the 28th is really interesting. It's an inter derby game. It's against LAFC. It's at LAFC. LAFC is really scuffling now. They have a seven-game winless streak. They've lost four in a row. Both of those are franchise records. Um, but the Galaxy have... Both teams actually, but we're talking about the Galaxy. They have two weeks off after that. So you got a guy like Jorge Viafani, He's injured. Chicharito's out because of MLS rules. A couple other guys a little banged up. You know, there's an opportunity there. Give those guys that game off. Then they get a three full, you know, full three week rest to heal, and then you bring them back on September 11th that much stronger. It's almost like they had a little mini off season. Um, play some of those guys on the 28th. Maybe they strain those injuries. Maybe, you know, Jorge Villapane goes out there and and aggravates that knock that he has. Then all of a sudden, you're racing the clock to get them ready by September 1st. I think Greg Vanny does face some decisions here for his lineup in this game. Um, The ability to go out and compete and try to get three points, but also rest guys that he's going to need down the stretch because once they come back from that international break, it's a sprint to the finish, and he's going to need all those guys healthy. This is a game where he, if he can if he can squeeze through this this little window and rest some guys and keep them out of the LAFC game, it's going to be a big uh, you know a, a really big boon to him going down the stretch. So we'll see what he does. MLS already made the decision for Chicharito, so that's a good thing. But a couple other guys knocked you know with some knocks. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, who will be going away with Mexico, and and uh, uh, Koulibaly has dealt with some things. Jorge Vianya if they can get through this game without having to extend those guys so much, the better
2: last thing. And we'll wrap up here. Um, what do we know about how to and Dejan? Here we go. I'm going to do it. The new Serbian signing. Let's see how I do this. Yeah. Uh, Jova. Lijic.
1: That's close. I just call him Dejan. I, I have, there's a reason that I'm a, I'm a writer and not a, uh, a, 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 podcaster or a radio guy like you. Yeah. Because I can't say that you, I can type them. I can spell Ibrahimovic from memory, but mm-hmm. I can't. I still can't say it correctly. So, yeah, Dejan. Uh, Dejan is uh, a very interesting guy. He had, he was, um, I think, when they acquired him um, and brought him in as a U-22 initiative player, signed him to a long-term deal. I think part of that was, look, Chicharito is not going to be coming back anytime soon. We need some cover right away because they were trying to get by with Ethan Zubek up there. They were using Grant Sear and Kevin Cabral as target forwards. That just wasn't working. So they brought Dayon in, um, partly as cover for Chicharito. Maybe, you know, Chicharito next year will be the last year of his contract. So, uh, you know, maybe to to prepare him to take over. But the real interesting thing is, here comes this guy in from Serbia, um, highly touted. Uh, Galaxy spent a lot of money to bring him in. Um, You know, he's kind of supposed to be the answer to their problems right now. But he has said all the right things. He... He never once said, I want Chicharito's job. I'm the guy now. Chicharito's going to have to fight to get it back. His, his thing has always been, hey, when Chicharito's ready, I step aside. I'm, I'm just going to love playing with him. He's an idol of mine. I think he's great. That's what I'm talking about, good, that good dressing room. You know, Dejan said all the right things about wanting to play with Chicharito, and, and I think when, when he does come back, Dejan is definitely going to defer to him. But, again, that's one of those things where it's just going to make them stronger. Chicharito had 10 goals in the first 10 games for a reason. They didn't have anyone else that could score. Um, now, that you know, if, if Deon's played pretty well in his first couple of games. If he becomes a little bit of, of, you know, an asset up there, then they bring Chicharito, and all of a sudden, they've got two guys that can score. And, again, that's that whole thing. It just makes the team deeper, makes the team better. Um, so I see Chicharito coming back. I see Deon sort of stepping aside and saying, you're the man, let me help you out. Um, maybe becomes that number nine guy with his back to the goal a little bit. Um, I, you know, I definitely think it's gonna. It, it looks like it's going to be a really good tandem. We'll, we'll have to see if that. You know, how that turns out in practice.
2: Yeah, the, to, this is why. I mean, this this stuff. I don't know how you do it. I don't. Uh, I don't know how you do it with the names. It's it's unbelievable. Thankfully, <laughs> like Atlanta United's best players, the last few years you have Joseph Martinez, you have Julian Gressel, you have. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Cause he's been gone for a couple of years now back to uh, a Why am I blanking on his name? Oh no, my dad's going to hate me. Oh yeah. Miguel Almiron. Um, my dad's favorite player. He has not. Go- yes. He has not gotten over Almiron, not gotten over it. It, uh, his departure still just a huge mark in the Atlanta United fan base his departure and his his just friendship with Joseph is just it's not the same those two pointing at each other we we miss it all the time and if you've watched Atlanta United the last couple of years Kevin you, you know things have not been great since, since well so.
1: you know I talked to Alexi Lawless the former national team player and I actually called him because he was a former MLS player and former general manager and, I, and I, my question was how can teams that we all look at as the new dynasties, Atlanta, LAFC, they're doing everything right. How do they, how do they fail? How do they fall apart like that? And he actually brought up Al Marone as an interesting case study where Al Moron was brought in here. He was, you know, one of the first signings, or if not the first signing, he was the guy they were going to turn to. He was going to be the leader, but they knew all along that he was going to Europe. And and the idea was develop him, sell him to Europe, make some money, maybe sign another player. It turned out when Al Moron left, the team fell apart and Alexi Wallace was looking at LAFC and saying, LAFC had the same setup. Diego Rossi was supposed to be their guy who was going to play a year or two and go to Europe. Diego Rossi never left. He's still here. And his value was declining by the second. Um, and so they've fallen apart because they've just fallen apart. Uh, the, you know, they, they traded Walker Zimmerman and Steven Betasor. They didn't resign him and they got rid of Bradley Wright Phillips. They made a lot of boneheaded moves too. But El Marone thing was interesting to Alexi Lawless because it unfolded exactly the way everyone predicted it would. And still, it seemed like Atlanta United wasn't prepared for that.
2: Uh, I wasn't a fan. I was not a fan. Uh, I can go ahead and tell you, Kevin. I was not uh, not happy about it. Still not happy. <laughs> I mean, things are turning the corner a little bit. Joseph's back. The managerial change. New manager coming in. I don't know. They're figuring some stuff out. The defense, still a problem. You'll never uh, sell me on the... The Gressel trade still just uh, seems like one of those those bad ones. And then still you just miss Tata too, the impact of losing Tata and just uh, what he he did for for this team for for several
1: years. Well, you know, there's there's two tournaments. There's the regular season and then the playoffs, and you play a playoff game on turf in front of 70,000 people. That's kind of the great equalizer. You don't have to be a great team to win in that environment. You just have to make no mistakes and take advantage of the mistakes the other team makes. And 70,000 fans and the turf can be a real a real equalizer in MLS.
2: Absolutely. What can we check out from you this week at the LA Times?
1: Uh, well, we got all kinds of Angel City stuff and we got an All-Star game coming up.
2: There you go. There you go. Kevin, how do the good folks follow you on Twitter and uh, keep up with your work?
1: Uh, it's kbaxter11 K-Baxter on Twitter or at latimes.com.
2: All right, well, go subscribe to LATimes.com if you have not already the Los Angeles Times, a staple of my newspaper rotation every single day. Keep up the great work, sir. Thank you so much for making the time, and uh, we'll have to check back in again soon.
1: Thank you. Thanks for the call.
2: All right, hello, and welcome to the Monday night edition of our NFL-centric Podcast here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still, you're not going to believe this, folks, the aforementioned Chase Thomas, where I am joined, as I am every single Monday night, by the good 49ers, Hub's own Evan Swords. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you?
0: I'm doing good, man. How are you doing?
2: Not too bad. You seemed a little little more tired before we got started. You you, you seem like you, you just woke up from a nap.
0: Not t- not. I didn't just wake up from a nap. I am. Uh, I had a long week. And then I obviously capped it off yesterday at, uh, at SoFi Stadium to watch the 49ers play the Chargers in uh, a live NFL football game in person. So I am reeling from the effects of a long week and uh, some exciting live football.
2: So I saw the picture you posted it on your Instagram and um, I think someone found you from, from television. Was that also something that happened?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know if it was television, but I think someone found me in general. Like, okay, it said what section I was in, so they took a photo and they're like, "Is this you?" And (laughs) I was like, "Holy shit, yeah, that is me!" Because she's literally on the complete opposite side of what is a massive, massive stadium, and she's like, "I could totally tell from your energy, and you're jumping up and down." I was like, "Yep, that's me." um But it was cool. It was a, it was a, it was a fun game to watch. It was fun to watch Trey Lance. I got to i got to meet a follower uh we've been following each other for probably seven years or so now his name is also evan and it was his birthday today so shout out to evan aka mistakes were made i believe is his twitter handle
2: mm. good guy well if it's his birthday then mistakes might be made tonight
0: yeah he was like uh he's like let me buy you a beer i'm like bitch it's your birthday get your ass over there let me buy you a beer <laughs>
2: Did you drink a beer this weekend? What was your what were your drink choices? What what are the offerings at SoFi Stadium?
0: So honestly, the 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 kind of the big deal right now is that SoFi is actually pretty trash from a food mm. uh, perspective. The drinks, it's hard to say because the one thing that was really cool is they just had guys running around with giant backpacks of twenty four ounce beers that they just could kind of slide out of the bottom. Mm. Um, so I got like two giant twenty four ounce Modellos. Oh. <laughs> no white no white closet so far.
2: No. So you were you were you're were having fun. You were you were just hanging out.
0: Yeah man, it was a it was a good time for sure.
2: So walk me through it. What was it like when you walked into the stadium? What's the experience like for people who have not been to this new stadium yet? Like what are yeah. they in for? What what did you like about it? What did you not like? Walk me through it.
0: So I mean first and foremost, everything about the stadium is massive and breathtaking from the man-made lake that they have in front of it uh, to the massive SoFi signage out front to the insane roof and glass. It's just all just breathtaking. Everything is awe-inspiring. It's just, it's a beautiful spectacle of a stadium. It is an entertainment center. It is not a football stadium. You know, so getting there was a little bit of a pain uh we ubered in essentially to the it's next to somewhat of a strip mall mm-hmm. so we, we ubered into the in and out and then we walked uh down the 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 entrance driveway if you will to the stadium um getting into the stadium was super easy and quick um outside of that you know the stadium is massive so there's you know we were on the 200 200- and 200 level section 235 really um, amazing seats just absolutely amazing and it, it is one thing that was really Im- insane to me is when you looked up you know because the 200 section is great seats but it's still pretty far away right and then you look up to the 400 section and you see the people up by the, you know by the roof and I mean they look like they're in space it is so big and so far away I was like I just couldn't imagine watching a a football game that far up
2: you know that's wild well where what was the fan experience like was it uh...
0: all 49ers fans <laughs> right? literally more than 50 percent were 49ers fans i was surrounded by 49ers fans uh the chargers fans do not travel well as most of them still live in san diego
2: mm, that's disappointing that's I mean, gonna take time it's
0: not though if you think about it though like LA hasn't had a football team cool. in a very long Well,
2: no, time. what I'm saying is for Chargers fans, for the San Diego fans who don't make the trip and then it's just uh, yeah. the the Chargers just being there and also for the players. Like they've talked about that in the past of just the the lack of a home field advantage, but it sounds like even in SoFi, it's uh it's going to be a visitor visitor friendly place at yeah, least I for mean, the Chargers. LA.
0: It's it's one of the I think it's the opposite of Vegas, right? Because even though Vegas is like a you know a city people travel to, their local fans are diehard sports fans, as you've seen with the Golden Knights. Um, I don't see that being the case. The one thing I will say though is with with Justin Herbert being kind of the exciting prototypical franchise quarterback that he is, and you know they're making some pretty good strides this year in the offseason, uh, I do expect a little bit of that uh, pie that went a lot to the Rams because they used to actually have a team in L.A. to maybe split up a little bit with the Chargers. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, in this case, though, it was, uh, you know, the, 40, the 49ers were big for two huge decades. Uh, they were there for a long time, and now that the Chargers are back, it's still, it's a it, you know, just like when I went to the the Rams game, at USC stadium. This is a 49ers town.
2: Well, then it sounds like you, you enjoyed yourself. Did you rock any jerseys?
0: I didn't rock a Jersey because mm. I haven't decided which jerseys I wanted to buy,
2: mm. uh, but I,
0: I did buy, you know, the, I went on Nike and ordered uh, one of the okay. traditional, like old school 49ers writing and font logo, red t-shirts. Um, yeah, I still haven't really decided if, if I want to get a Jersey and what kind of I would jersey. go
2: Classic. Why not just get a jerry rice joe montana dwight clark well, so
0: i have a joe uh jerry montana the one of the black jerseys mm-hmm. but i do want to get like I, you know i think i want those new red you know like the th- red throwbacks yeah the red, uh, trey lance
2: okay okay i'm i'm not against it do you know what i wear every falcons game day what's uh, what jersey i rock
0: Oh God! I'm sure it's something very old school. I'm thinking we're like probably talking uh before you know the jerseys before Vic
2: you're correct, but only slightly. I guess no Vic was at the very end of the yeah. old jerseys like they switched during the Vic era yeah, yeah um yeah. because of him it wasn't because of him because he it was just more, i don't even remember why this was like eighteen years ago now um but no it it's work done all work black day, work done it's pretty great
0: yeah i mean work done is it's like that or tony gonzalez i think would be a really great uh...
2: dion many people rock dion like dion is a good a good throwback but too many people do it too too many for my taste like i've always wanted to look for a Rayby cannon one because i the running joke was like i've seen that man more in atlanta than any other atlanta athlete of all time and it's just the most random thing that i've seen Ray cannon as much as i have but um yeah, just uh well I have not been able to to find one yet. Probably not going to find a Eugene Robinson one either would be would be my guess. Evan, um some other news before we get into our AFC East preview this evening, Evan. Cam Newton may have cost himself the Patriots starting quarterback job over COVID protocol misunderstandings, and I'm putting quotes here. What do you make of all this and how bad of a look is this?
0: Well, I mean, it's the beginning stages of what we had originally talked about, right? Like the big thing for me that I was always curious about is what's going to happen now that everyone's allowed to get vaccinated and some people don't, you know, what's going to happen when a team has one of their star players who is not willing to get vaccinated get COVID at a time in which it will hurt the team. Now, in this case, right? It's interesting because it more than anything is really hurting Cam, right? Like Mac Jones is not that far behind, right?
2: He's not that. He's far right there. Him. Like I think they're you fine know. with going either way, and what this is just this is, is team just team something teams. that gives him a a leg down, right?
0: I mean, they were definitely they're definitely close. I think I think Cam is like the presumptive starter, but now we have five days. Of him being, you know, sidelined or in whatever, um, yeah, Cam Newton just doesn't have it like that anymore, and he just can't afford these things. And so, I, I, I think we've all been kind of waiting for the day where a play, a selfish player, hurts the team. But it's really interesting, and like his situation is really only hurting himself right now.
2: Yeah, Tom Curran had a really scathing uh, take on this on NBC Sports Boston. Um, it it's just preventable this was just a very preventable easily preventable thing and yeah, now he fun. did something that's this could like i just cannot imagine um risking it all for for this like this is it for cam like you're not getting another starting job if you you throw it away like this like you have mac right there they just drafted a quarterback in the first round you had a really rough 2020 for a variety of reasons but if you're cam like for someone who's seemingly as locked in as he is, as obsessed with the work, obsessed with getting better, obsessed with this body, to put himself at this kind of risk and to roll the dice like this, I I don't feel any sympathy. Like, I, like it, I just, you could have prevented all of this. Like, this is an easily preventable thing that you did not do. And it shows a lack of, I mean, it's a lack of leadership for sure. But I also just, it's just really disappointing as someone who's always defended Cam that like... It's just, you can't defend this. And it's just, uh it's a bad look. And it could literally cost him the rest of his time as a starter in the NFL. Like, if Mac Jones takes this time, these next five days, has a good final preseason game, like, Cam is not getting another starting job handed to him at it, this point in his NFL career. In this, really falls on him it's just it's one of those amazing things where it's like what are you doing like why would you why would you do this to yourself why would you put yourself in this position you're too old for this you're too you know i'm just frustrated
0: to quote uh colonel murtaugh from lethal weapon Getting too old for this shit. Yeah, I mean, I like I, we, there's not a whole lot we really need to say here. Cam doesn't have that kind of leverage anymore. He's not the quarterback he used to be. He had a very bad season last year. And, you know, they just drafted a quarterback in the first round after having Tom Brady. Uh, you know, they got to figure it. You know, Cam's got to figure out what's important to him because if what's important to him is not listening to science and losing starting job, then so be it.
2: Yeah, Um, a couple other news. So, Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com, also co-host of Around the NFL, a very good NFL podcast that I would highly encourage everyone to check out if they have not already did his week two winners and losers of the NFL preseason, whose stock is on the decline and who is on the rise. You know what's funny is it's always like these, these dudes who are so good in college and they get drafted in like the sixth or seventh round because, yeah, they were awesome in college, but... There's just there's more of the unproven guys who look like they can do a lot more at the NFL level, so they move up. We see this in basketball, too, where the third or fourth-year seniors who have these amazing college careers, put these crazy college stats that just will not translate. Luke Garz is of the world. Um, the person that jumped out to me when I was going through this, and it's funny because I went and watched it, Jarrett Patterson is probably going to be a dude in Washington. They have a lot of talent. Um, he's probably going to force out Peyton Barber of that um, Washington backfield. Gibson's obviously going to be the lead back, but Jarrett Patterson was really good at the University of Buffalo. No one watched him. No one knew what he did there. Buffalo under Lance Leopold did a lot really well. He's now at Kansas, but if you didn't watch Buffalo, you wouldn't know. But like Jarrett Patterson is going to be a dude, and He's he's like one of those guys where... Yeah, I don't know. He's kind of like in the Daryl Henderson mode, where he played at Memphis. People didn't watch him. He went later in the draft and put up these bonker stats while in college, playing in games that no one watched in college. And now he's just going to be a good player in the NFL for years to come. And I don't know. I just these stories. It's always interesting to me because it seems like they're they happen every year. What do you What do you make of this list? And uh, what stood out to you?
0: Well, I mean, everybody on the list makes sense from that perspective. I mean, there's a lot of people on here, Devontae Smith and, you know, Jared Peterson, like you mentioned, um, Mac Johnston, whatever. The, the one thing I will say in the greater scheme of things, I think this is one of the most exciting draft classes, uh, from a stories perspective in a very long time from the quarterbacks to the running backs, um, the defensive, you know, centerpieces, um, I just think this is going to be a – I mean, obviously the quarterback uh, group is the the bulk of the excitement. Um, but I think this is – you know, the the, the the reason why we love the the offseason and the draft is it gives everyone hope. And this year I think there's four or five quarterbacks that are giving specifically some teams some huge amount of hopes right now. There's some uh, – you know, there's some players like Penny Sewell uh, – you know, just that are just that damn good. Um, you know, Micah, Micah Parsons. Um, a lot of these players are just going to give teams a lot of hope, and I think it's like literally like turned up to twelve because of because of all the quarterbacks and everything this year. So, I'm you know I'm I'm excited to watch this season for sure. It's going to be super interesting.
2: I just the quarterback stuff is so fascinating. I I've never been more certain that Justin Fields is the odd man out. Like. This stuff, this offensive line in Chicago is awful. Like, it's going to be awful, Evan. I don't know if you watched any of this latest preseason game. It's abysmal. Jason Are you Peters, asking
0: me if I watched Justin Fields get the ever-loving shit kicked out of him on
2: that hit? Yes, yes. I watched it. Like, he cannot play week one. Like You cannot throw him behind that. You He's can, going to play week one. First it's off, a, yeah. you
0: you, you got to understand something, and I think you do, but I get your point. A bad offensive line has never once stopped a a rookie quarterback for playing since the dawn of time yeah so your thought process there wh- whereas i can agree it's never mattered i mean joey harrington david carr these are some guys that would laugh at the idea of that you
2: but they wish not... that was the case though right like in hindsight right. they were like yeah we shouldn't have been out there
0: yeah, but in hindsight, you would then just draft an offensive line and instead of those
2: quarterbacks. That's what you should do. That is the better strategy is to build the offensive line and then take the quarterback. But,
0: but that never happens because they want to sell jerseys.
2: I know. It's very annoying. Um, I mean, that's what the Colts have basically done. The Colts have spent all this draft capital. and The Cowboys kind of did that. Um, Titans are kind of doing that now. I don't know. Um, it's not good. You know what's interesting? Micah Parsons and Keanu Neal are the starting linebackers in Dallas. So Leighton Vander and Jalen Smith are coming off the bench. Dan Quinn getting interesting. Whatsoever. They're moving Neal to a linebacker spot. Leighton
0: Vander is a damn good linebacker. What's the point?
2: I, I think it's health. Um, he he's been injured a lot. Um, I don't know. Micah Parsons by all accounts has lit it up in practice and in the preseason. I don't know. I'm also speaking of quarterbacks. The Teddy Bridgewater stuff who he played so well, and it seemed like it was going to be Drew Locke. Um, man, I don't know which way they're going to go, but when your coach compares you to Tom Brady, if you're Drew Locke, you got to feel a little bit nervous because Teddy Bridgewater was getting some, some Tom Brady uh, love from Vic Fangio. And as a Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater guy, I I would not be surprised if they named Bridgewater the starter. What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, I think that they both had good reps this last game specifically. Um, I just, I don't really know because I think that Locke still has that excitement and upside of being like a younger quarterback, but Teddy's playing well and we've seen what Teddy playing well. It looks like, especially when he was uh, in Minnesota, which, you know, respectively is a long time ago. Um, I, I just, I think in terms of what you're looking at, I don't think there's anything wrong here Uh, I don't think Locke has has done enough. Like you say, you start Bridgewater. um, You hope that you get that kind of like, you know, 6 out of ten, seven out of 10 quarterback ranking uh, style, if you will, you know, kind of like that. Just better than good, maybe. You hope that's what you get from him, and then you just ride the season out. And if it doesn't work out, you've got Locke uh, behind him. But then at the same time, like, are you worried about, lock's development
2: well if you pick bridgewater it's over with Locke. like it's over but also the new gm george petten he does not have any ties to to lock he didn't draft him he came from minnesota
0: that's true
2: but do you know who he does have ties to kirk cousins and who does teddy bridgewater remind me of and who was part of the room that drafted teddy bridgewater at the end well, of that oh, first so round so
0: you think they bring over teddy bridgewater not aaron Rodgers?
2: who Wait, what do you mean?
0: Talking about Denver next year, right? Bringing no, I'm over. just saying
2: this year. I think they just run it with Bridgewater. I think there's a reason Bridgewater's there. He knows Patton. Patton doesn't have a familiarity with Drew Locke. I think Vic Fangio is more trusting of Bridgewater. And then I think they ride it out with Bridgewater. Locke's done. And then they they go somewhere else in the draft. Or Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers still feels like a Denver Bronco to me next year. I think that would be what I would do. Is I would run it in with Bridgewater this year. And then put all my chips in for a Aaron Rodgers trade with Green Bay after the season.
0: Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to a Super Bowl contender.
2: And I so think Denver is a contender if you add Rodgers. Like that roster around the quarterback position is sick. That defense is ready to win now. That is a that defense is going to be so dang good this year. I am I'm so excited to watch Patrick Sertain and Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and just you name it guy after guy like they are going to be I mean Callahan like there's just so many dudes in that defense that are going to be elite um let's talk about your team because Kyle Shanahan is refusing to name a week one starter to this point Jimmy Garoppolo has barely played um he did not play well this, this recent game like you can tell me what you thought about that interception that was deflected off Ayuk's hands like what do you make of Garoppolo at this point to Trey Lance to this point to Shanahan yeah. refusing to name a Week One starter, what? Where are we at? Walk us well, through.
0: So it's not that he was refusing to name a Week One starter. He very specifically said that Jimmy was going to be the starter. And then this last press conference, at the end, you know, they said, "Is Jimmy going? Who's going to start Week One?" And he just kind of said, "I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to say." It. Like, you know, it was like a last second thing. Here's what I'll say. I've been of the mind since the beginning. That you know, in my head, my logic that I'm creating and I'm thinking about—we've talked about it before. so You look at what Jimmy did his 2019 Super Bowl run, right? And you think about the receivers and how poor they were, uh, or how many injuries were to the offensive line, how many different rotations of the offensive line uh, they had throughout the season. I mean, like their starting center, their starting guard, both injured. Um, you know, and I and I thought in my head, I'm like, okay, now they have Debo, uh, now Ayuk. You know uh, this Trent Sherfield kid, like who uh, Will uh, Blackman um, on Twitter said, reminded him of Antonio Brown, has honestly been one of the most exciting receivers in the, in on the team since preseason started, uh, and and camp as well. And you think about jo- George Kittle, right, and the, all the running backs and all that. And I'm like, this is going to be the easiest Jimmy's ever had it. This will be the best roster he's ever started on. And I'm just thinking, like, this is going to be a no-brainer. Like, it will be fine. Like, the offensive line is going to be better. Not a big deal. Now, granted, we haven't seen what he's looked like with, you know, starting offensive line yet in the preseason because obviously they're not they're not starting their starters. Um, but Jimmy struggled. You know, there was a there was a pass. And I'm watching this live, by the way. And by the way, it just goes to show you like how different things are live versus like people like just go, like droning over like clips and stuff. I'm watching this live. Jimmy throws the ball so much higher than it needs to be. There was the, there was tight coverage um, from the defensive back, like, you know, kind of following the receiver, Ayuk in question. Uh, but there was a lot of space in the field. It wasn't a tight window. He had time. He could just throw it where he needed to throw it. He ends up throwing it super high and kind of closer in. And Ayuk has to, like, stretch out to go for it and misses it. And that was like one of the plays, I think one of the first times that I've watched a Jimmy play where I'm just like, unequivocally, dude, that was such a bad fucking pass. And you had no pressure. You had nothing. That was just a poor pass. And then I'm looking on Twitter and everyone's like, oh, Ayuk's got to catch that. Ayuk's got to catch that. And it's insane. I mean, people were like looking at that clip over and over again like, no, Ayuk's got to catch it. I saw it 200 level with my own eyes. Bullshit. I did not need to catch that. There was no reason for that to be a difficult pass. And so I guess where I'm going with that story is Jimmy's not doing as well as I thought he would do this early on. I think about, you know, Jimmy playing in preseason, like this should be some easy stuff for him, right? This guy went to a Super Bowl and was a play or two away from winning it. Um and then you look at Trey, right? Who's had some very exciting moments, but Trey has been like unequivocally like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, cross the board. Uh, you know, he has incredible plays like that 80 yard touchdown bomb uh, that was just amazing to Trent Sherfield. Um, you know, he threw two touchdowns in this preseason game, but when he's not throwing touchdowns, when he's not, you know, dropping uh, right in the breadbasket to Trent Sherfield, um, on that, like, uh, you know, the right side of the uh, right sideline uh, pass against the Chargers, he had some really inaccurate passes. To be honest with you, we're like, as 49ers fans on Twitter, we're all joking about it. The dude literally, like, had the same issues that Jimmy has. He's underthrowing. He's uh, making them jump. He's throwing it too high. Uh, he's throwing it behind the receiver too much so they have to slow down. He's not throwing it in stride. I mean, you know, which is fine, right? Trey is a rookie. We didn't expect him to start this year. But Trey is, the problem is, has some plays where you're like, holy shit, like, there's that talent we've all been talking about, and Jimmy's struggling a little bit. So I think now, you know, similar to the Cam and the Mac Jones, I think the gap between the two isn't as high as we were expecting it to be. And, you know, we've got two more preseason games left. Kyle Shanahan said specifically that the starters are playing next game against the Raiders. Jimmy's got to really show some things. It's time. Like, I don't think Kittle has seen the ball once, which is fine. He's I, I don't need him to play in preseason at all. But obviously they've got a really good rapport. But, like, Jimmy's got to step his shit up because if the ceiling – for Trey is as high as we think it is and the floor for Trey all of a sudden isn't that different from the floor of Jimmy. Like what are we doing? Right. Start the rookie. So I think we're in that process right now. We've got another week left.
2: If you had to bet who is under center week one for the Niners, who is
0: it still betting Jimmy? The things we've seen from Trey have actually been somewhat troubling. Um, So I'm still thinking it's Jimmy, but it could get worse.
2: Last thing before we get into our AFC East preview, Evan. Uh, Jamar Chase, a lot of drops this preseason for Cincinnati. It, there doesn't seem to be a lot of, lot of worry when you're reading the quotes and listening to Zach Taylor talk about it. Um, Brandon Allen's obviously been throwing him a lot of these passes, not Burrow. You go back to his college tape, uh, which has now been almost a year and a half. This was not a problem. Uh, This was never a problem for him at LSU. Uh, Are you at all worried um, about Jamar Chase? But on the flip side, because people really hated that pick for Cincinnati because of Panay Sewell being right there and them going receiver over offensive tackle because of Burrow's injury history. Um, Panay Sewell's also struggled in Detroit out of the gate. So that's looking like uh, still a... I mean, obviously it's going to be a wait and see, but very much a wait and see because it's not like Panay Sewell's just immediately out there like... You know, Jason Peters or whoever. Um, okay. Joe Staley. He's not a Joe Staley right out the gate. Um, so, what do you what do you make of Jamar Chase and his drops?
0: I you know I'm I'm not I won't say I'm worried because he's a receiver, right? I am still of the mind it takes a receiver sometimes a year or two uh, to really get going, um, and it's preseason, so I'm not too worried about it. It's not like a quarterback, right? Where there's like an, in, an incessant need to hurry the hell up and figure it out. Like, Jamar Chase doesn't need to figure it out right away. First and foremost, he's one of the most athletically talented receivers in the NFL. Um, He will be doing just enough as it is on the field by demanding attention from defensive backs and sometimes extra help from the safety, uh, which should make uh, Joe Burrow's job easier. So, I mean, just being on the field, he'll already be doing a decent amount for his old quarterback. I think... We just need to let him kind of figure it out together. It's, it's you know, it's preseason. They're doing their thing. You know, some I, the the greatest thing that I've ever heard, and I, I truly believe it is practice preseason. This is time to figure it out, to try things, to learn what you can get away with, to learn what you can't get away with. And if that's what he's doing, let him do his thing. He's a talented kid. Should come soon.
2: Absolutely. Well, we're going to pause for a quick break from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with our... Buy Mm -hmm.
0: whatever (laughs) is on this ad next or else.
2: (laughs) We'll be right back. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast, the Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, where we are talking all things NFL, and we will be doing so... Uh right after Monday Night Football, starting in just a few weeks, football is right around the corner. Evan, um we're almost done with our division by division preview series. We are wrapping up here with the AFC East this evening, where the more I dove into this and the more I keep thinking about it, like obviously when we talked about the AFC North last week, there is a clear hierarchy. And I think there is a little bit of that. Like when I was thinking about it, I was like, I think the AFC East might be kind of uh, a lot more similar to the AFC North than I'd previously uh, expected for that to be before I went into just all the detail and all the stuff I was looking at. And look, I'm a huge miles Gaskin guy. So maybe this is all where it's coming from with my, my Miami love, but there's two teams that I just think is a step ahead of everybody else especially if one of their quarterback situations break right which tua has been really good this preseason so that's a positive sign if you're miami but i think it's the bills clearly the favorites and then you have the jets i mean the jets then you have the dolphins um i think those are tier one in this division and then you look at tier two which is the patriots and i think they're kind of in that sealer zone where like yeah, if everything rolls the right way, if Cam plays 17 games, if the offense gets back and all these uh, expensive pieces they signed this offseason are great, if the offensive line's fine, if um, if Stephon Gilmore is still around for another year and they don't trade him and Matthew Judon's awesome, like, okay, yeah, Maybe. Maybe but they still feel like a 7-9, 8-8 team, or I guess whatever the 17-game equivalent is. And then you have the Jets, who are in the Bengals category, where it's like, they got the quarterback now, they have their Joe Burrow, they're doing some stuff we like, but it still just feels like we we have a lot more work to do, no matter what Zach Wilson's doing in Green Bay, and what whatever it is that Aaron Rodgers is saying about him, and as a Zach Wilson stand, I'm happy to hear it, but that is kind of how I look at it, where I'm like, it kind of does remind me a lot of the, the division we talked about last week. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, it is, it is an interesting <clears throat> division. Uh, it, what I think is really, you know, kind of the, the wild card here mm-hmm. is all, all of a sudden we're hearing about Tua, Tua mm-hmm. maybe taking that next step. Mm-hmm. He's looked great, right? played well. Miami, for a long time, has had a fairly decent roster and struggled at the quarterback position. They bet on Tua, right? They didn't take one of the quarterbacks, which they could have done. They bet on Tua. And if it pays off, the Bills might have at least some competition. I mean, the Bills are stacked. They're a Super Bowl contender for sure. So I don't know if they're going to be worried per se uh, but it is Tua makes this thing this little race interesting for sure.
2: Yeah, and he's an easy guy to root for, and a lot of his stuff with health was health stuff, and it's not like he asked to be thrown in for Ryan Fitzpatrick at the end of last season and everything with that. Um, well, let's start with Miami because I think they're the most fascinating team in this division, and a lot of it comes down to like you, like you said, with Tua. Um, do you think? Because remember, like we just now have josh allen as a top five nfl quarterback which he is year over year like he just got paid he got paid just like he is making mahomes money now and Mm -hmm. he is the he's not patrick mahomes but he is the biggest threat to patrick mahomes being the the just being as dominant as humanly possible in the afc as much as you like justin herbert it's it's just Josh Allen and the MVP stuff. He'll probably get an MVP based on what he saw, we saw last year. But um, that happened quick, man. Like we just have penciled him in and this is where he is, which is all true. But this happens so fast with him. Like this rise, it just clicks in year two. That could happen with Tua or Tua can just be amazing this year. Like there is a possibility Tua plays like a top 10 quarterback this year and it's just we at the, this time next year we're like man where do we put Tua on this because he's healthy and he was slinging it all over the field and he loved Jalen waddle and mike Gusecki was his favorite target and he was getting open like he found miles gaskins as his dump off guy all year long the offensive line was working austin jackson's great like there is a there's a path to that and i think people got to understand it's like what we saw from Tua. Last year is not any indication of what we might see this year because the offensive coordinator position is flipped. It's no more Chan Gailey. Um, it's a committee approach with George Godsey. And I forgot the other guy's name off the top of my head, but it's both of them working on this. Um, the defense is going to be elite. I think the offensive line is going to be better. I like Devontae Parker. I've always liked Devontae Parker and him as a number three. You have Will Fuller as a deep guy. You have Albert Wilson, if he can stay healthy who I like a lot. Jakeem Grant, always a big play guy I just like a lot of a lot of this group now and I think there is a lot of room for optimism here and I would not be surprised if the Miami Dolphins were the team that gave the Bills the most amount of trouble this year and also won the division. What do you what do you make of the possibility of Tua having a Josh Allen like jump next this year?
0: Well, <laughs> I don't know that he'll have that same jump just because I think we always kind of knew that Josh Allen's ceiling was much higher, right? We've always talked about Tua's accuracy and kind of what that looks like. So I don't know. Um, I also don't know that I really like the receivers as much as you do. Devontae Parker I've had a crush on from a football perspective, like a draft crush, if you will, Mm -hmm. Uh, since the dawn of time. I wanted the 49ers to draft him when he was in Louisville. I wanted the 49ers to trade for him. Like, but I, I just don't know that, that we're there yet um, in terms of that receiving room. Will Fuller, you know, always a great guy to always make the best of out of a bad situation. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can see that same jump, right? I think Allen really was like everything you could have hoped for and more in that uh, year two. two. Um, but, I mean, I will say this. I think Tua looked much worse last year than Josh Allen did in his rookie year, so you know that that catch up might might be a little bit easier just because Tua looked so bad. And if he can just look good this year, that'll be a huge jump for him.
2: Yeah, I I'm just so curious because the Bills' their projected Vegas odds is their win total is eleven. Which is the fourth highest in football, just behind the Ravens, and as you know, the two Super Bowl teams, the Bucks and the Chiefs, are the only teams with uh one total projections of twelve or more. Um what's super fascinating is that the Dolphins over under is the exact same as the New England Patriots at nine and a half. Is that is that not wild to you?
0: Um, no, because I think the Dolphins have the better team, but I think the Patriots have Bill Belichick. So it's just kind of balancing itself out.
2: Well, they do have Jason McCourty. Now they're, they have a lot of, a lot of former, a lot of former pats, um, all over this Miami blueprint. Right. Well, but, that's
0: what you do, right? Mm-hmm. You retire. Eric you Crow.
2: Yeah. Um, I like the Justin Coleman signing for them. I think he's going to be good. He was a captain. They also are keeping Xavier Howard, which is huge for them. It looked like he was going to get moved. He's staying. You have your first rounder, um, Noah, igby I, i'm just gonna say igby. he was an auburn corner who was really good um so we'll see there byron jones now now a dolphin i think this defense is gonna be really really good and christian wilkins on the on the edge i i like a lot of the group here um evan do you think they win more or less than nine nine and a half that's that would equate to basically 500 are you taking the over under with them
0: mm It's so hard to tell, but I think I'll take, I think I'll take, honestly, I want to lock right in on nine wins. Mm-hmm. So I will say under just because it's technically under, but yeah.
2: I'm going to go over. I think they went 10 or 11, maybe 12.
0: Dude, that's, that's insane. That's a lot of wins. 10, even though it's still a 17 game season, that's a lot of wins.
2: I just, I think the bills are going to take a slight step back. I think the Pats are going to be a lot worse than people are expecting. And the Jets, I think, are still two years away from really making some noise. Good. The Dolphins are right there. The opportunity is right there. Um, also, I just like their coach. Brian Flores is a really good coach. Uh, the Pats, who were just talking about nine and a half wins, or is there over-under win total. Cam might not be under center in week one. They obviously spent a record amount of money this offseason beefing up the roster after watching... Tom Brady win a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay what do you make of the Pats
0: well I mean the Pats are and this is my own personal opinion mm. normally when a team goes all out and just signs every free agent possible and spends all the money in the world it never really works out right you think about Albert Hainsworth and the Redskins going that far back right mm. um, I, I it just never works. But right. There's a big caveat here. And that guy's name is Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in the NFL history. So I am interested to see what Bill, but Bill Belichick, uh, the sequel reloaded, if you will, uh, is going to look like you got to think, you know, Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl his first year gone in Tampa Bay. Bill Belichick goes out and spends literally all of those money, all that money gets, to those two tight ends it's defensive players signs Kendrick Bourne like i don't know that i tr- i would trust this with any other coach or any other team but it is him and it is bill uh I, i'm more curious about the quarterback position than anything i don't know what i don't know what to think of cam and I don't know what to think of a rookie mac Jones so honestly if i'm expecting anything this year i expect that they p- probably have a, you know a solid offense a solid defense and they just have quarterback issues. They might be rotating in and out if Cam gets COVID,
2: you know. What did you make of them spending a lot of capital on the tight end position?
0: Well, I mean, I think a lot of teams, not just the Patriots, have been trying to recreate that Gronk Hernandez thing for a long time. The 49ers are one of them. Um, So I don't blame them, right? They know what happens when it works well. I just don't know that I trust Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry to be that tandem. Right, Like, Jonu Smith is an exciting tight end who's coming into his position at a very opportune time, right, getting that contract. But, you know, he had a really good year, but, you know, Gronk had had, you know, a great half of a decade, right? You know, Aaron Aaron Hernandez came in 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 lieu of, you know, at that time of Gronk being the best tight end in the NFL. So I just... I, I understand it, and if it works, they'll be geniuses. But if it doesn't work, you know, if Hunter Henry catches another injury, it might be troublesome.
2: I just think people are overblowing what they what they added here. I think this is going to look a lot like what they had last year. Like, Jacoby Myers is still a starter. They added Kendrick Bourne, who you can speak to, the Kendrick Bourne experience. Nikhil Harry is still on this roster. They added Nelson Aguilar. Good piece. Good downfield guy. He'll be good for them. Um, but, like, Sonny Michelle. Not looking healthy. Damian Harris was just a freak at Bama, and We'll see if he gets more time there. But like I don't I don't love this offense. I don't love the the front three. Like their front three is Trick Wise, Lawrence Guy, uh Davon Godchal, and Henry Anderson. Henry Anderson was a cap cash team new york and this front seven not scaring anybody like they're not getting any pressure and that's kind of what they're built like now because they have such a good secondary their linebacking core is maybe their biggest strength because dante howard dante hightower did not play last year he opted out and he's just right. a really really good piece and the leader of that defense so getting him back will be huge you added matthew judon from baltimore Calvan noise back after being in miami last year but they also aren't getting anything out of their recent high defensive draft picks. So this is something that's a little concerning that chase Winovich is not a starter on the defensive line yet. Being a 2019 third rounder from Michigan, you got Josh Uchechi from Michigan, 2020 second rounder. He's not starting. You have Kyle Duggar, who was a second rounder in 2020. He's not starting in the secondary. Like I am starting to wonder, like these dudes are not, not getting a lot of first team reps here. Nikhil Harry, we obviously know about, um, not, not great right like there's some some no misses here that you cannot miss on
0: yeah no at the end of the day it's exactly what i was saying right like i do i do see some things that they'll be able to do on defense and some things they'll be able to do on offense they spent a lot of money on offense but um it is a team that will i just i'm not expecting them to compete for, compete for the playoffs
2: yeah i don't know they're in a weird 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 spot the weirdest team in this uh conference by far the new york jets zach wilson um you're obviously very interested in new york jets this year with robert sala and just all the 49ers east yes 49ers east Um, the biggest question for you heading into 2021 with the new york jets is what
0: well i mean i think the easy answer is the quarterback position obviously but honestly my biggest question really is robert sala so do you Robert think he'll be Sala, a good
2: coach? Because you were pretty out on him as a coordinator during most a, of the the time of our yeah. recordings.
0: I think I think it's gonna it's it's gonna go either really well or really poorly. Um Robert Sala is to me he is a motivator, right? He is a leader of men. I do think he is those things. Um
2: but you know. I can tell you Jeff Olbridge is good. He was in atlanta in i mean he's
0: got a good supporting cast yeah he's, i like it good coaches around him for sure
2: um one of the 19 LaFleurs calling the offense
0: right uh but at the end of the day i think you know there's some things on that team i'm really excited for and if if sala can be that jim harbaugh style coach right like harbaugh will never go back to being a coordinator and i don't think sala will ever go back to being a coordinator as well he'll probably just coach smaller teams um but I think if he can if he can be that leader of men, if he can hire the right people around him, if he can empower the people and and get something out of uh you know, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson looks good. And you know who else looks really good? Corey Davis. Yeah. Corey Davis is catching like seventy something percent of his passes that are down the field, like Elijah Moore is one of the more exciting receivers uh coming out of the draft, and it sounds like he's just found himself in the perfect position. So I'm a. Lo- I think I'm a little bit more high on the uh, the Jets that, than some people are. I think probably even more than you are. Um, I think the Jets are going to have a good season this year, and I think like eight to nine wins could be a, could be realistic for them.
2: Oh no, I think they're going to be awful. Like I, I, this is going to be awful at least in year one. I think this is like a three and fourteen team.
0: Ooh, I don't know about all that, man.
2: There's no doubt. Like Tevin Coleman's are starting running back this year. That defense, well, I think, is going to take Tevin some time. Tevin Coleman
0: at. is not their starting right Who's now.
2: starting? Michael Pirine?
0: Well, I mean, so, like, I don't think... What is it? Let's go to their death chart.
2: Unless you're seeing something I'm not. They're going to be relying on Tevin, Stinking Coleman, who has been in both yeah, of their I, lives.
0: I don't expect them to buy all... Like, who... Okay, so when did... Look at the drafts. Okay, okay. So, Ty Johnson was drafted in the 2019 round six pick. Okay. Michael Carter. Yeah, so, okay. So, Michael Carter was drafted in the fourth round this year. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that they've got Tevin at the front of the depth chart just because he's, you know, his seniority. I don't imagine that Tevin Coleman will be the starter literally after week one, if even at week one. He is not a starting quarterback and he's not healthy nearly enough for that. So I wouldn't worry about that at all.
2: But Well I just worry about it in them trying to conserve leads. So like if they do get out and they are performing really well in the defense is better than expected, even without Carl Lawson, which you have to mention, big loss for them. Like he was dominating in preseason. Right. Losing him for the year. Is Vinny Curry going to be Jor- replacing Jarod him? Rod Davis as well. He stinks, or... though. Jarrod Davis was awful in Detroit. Yeah, like, but, he I mean, but he, awful. he's
0: gone for two months, so either way.
2: CJ Mosley did not play last year, so we don't really know what we're going to get out of him. That secondary is awful. They, like, awful. It's Marcus May and nothing else. There is a person named Blason Austin. Bryce, on Hall is,
0: Bryce Hall's decent. He's, but he's your number one. Yeah.
2: I don't but, know. You can. This defense is going to get torched. First
0: off, first, first and foremost, let us be reminded: mm-hmm. this is a solid defense. This is a Forty ers defense. They don't need to have really good corners or safeties. They need a good front. They've They're got not going to have that. Ryan. They have Quinn and Williams and Sheldon Rankins. Ronald Blair will be there to help as well. Ronald Blair played very good football for the Forty Niners. Um,
2: Man, they have a bunch of X Niners.
0: CJ Mosley is a is a very good middle linebacker. My point is this. The 49ers defense and now the Jets defense does not need all-star corner player safety play. Uh, Jimmy Ward and and Jaquisky Tart have been like pleasantly surprising people for literally their entire career because they were never supposed to be that guy. Mm. I would I would just I would just Temper your expectations for the defense. if you have Quentin Williams, you saw what, what what Salah was able to do with Nick Bosa. I would wait to see.
2: We'll wait to see, but I just I, I think they're going to be bad. so you're, you're going the over the six wins.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay.
2: Last team, the Buffalo Bill's the favorite in the AFC East. They won the division last year. Josh Allen just got paid. Stefan Diggs is back. Um, that defensive line is maybe the scariest defensive line in football just with their guys who are ready to play now and the guys that they're developing in Espineza and um, Rousseau out of Miami. You still, like I said, you have Cherry Hughes right in there. You have Ed Oliver. You have Starlo Tuleley, You have Mario Addison. You have dudes everywhere. Like you have Boogie Basham, who was a, a monster at Wake Forest. Like there is so much talent on the defensive line. They're going to be so good there. You paid Matt Milano. Him and Edmonds are a great linebacking core you have jadevious white you have levi wallace who just never gets beaten out like they, they i think brandon bean talked about it where he was like you gotta fight for a job again and they keep trying to replace levi wallace and giving him competition in camp and then he keeps winning the winning the cornerback job which is important the reason i bring that up is because he was a college free agent he was not even drafted and that man it just he he holds it down and then you have just an amazing safety situation with micah hyde and jordan poyer they're gonna be the favorites they should be considered the favorites they kept Brian dabble which I think is a huge thing, uh, because there was a possibility that he could get a coaching job somewhere, and I think he was critical for Josh Allen's development. I love Devin Singletary; i think he's really good. Your old friend Matt Breda is in that running back room. Um, Manuel Sanders, another former Forty Nine er, now joins Diggs and Beasley out wide. I I don't see a scenario where this this Bills season is not even somewhere at least close even if Allen falls off a little bit which i think he will um they're still gonna be really good and jake cumro uh there he is he's in, he's in buffalo if aaron rogers is wondering
0: huh. uh, excuse me one second mm. breaking news josh <laughs> rosen has signed with the atlanta falcons no
2: he hasn't has he really yes because aj mccarron went down for the year did you play that sound, by the way? Did you have that geared up for this? Yes, I did. That is incredible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Shout Josh out to Lindy OK. I
2: think that, that, there you go. Yep, um,
0: that, of course. She's already tweeted about it. Oh,
2: my goodness. Okay, sure.
0: I like it. Gets to learn from, uh, you know, a similar quarterback in Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to your point. I mean, honestly, like I don't mean to like disrespect the Bills or anything like that like by not talking about them, but like what is there to say? They're one of the best teams in the NFL, That to me they're I they might be my favorite in the AFC. Oh, okay. Like literally they. I mean, they have they are so good at every position. They only got better this offseason. I just you know, I I just feel like there's there's not much to say. They're one of the best teams in the NFL. They might be the best team in the AFC. I'm thinking we see them in the Super Bowl.
2: Okay, what do you what do you like most about them right now?
0: I mean, first and foremost, I love any team that's got that good of a defense, mm-hmm. right? And then you look on the other side of the ball and you see what Stephon Diggs is able to do, right? You see what their running game was able to do while having a small back and you know and a big back. And then you look at Josh Allen, who has taken just one of the biggest leaps in a second year quarterback, I think, in NFL history, right? This guy that was like running the ball like a running back, and he was, you know, very, ver- you know, very athletic in his first year, all of a sudden it can make every single throw, right? Stefan Diggs comes over and he's just lighting that team up. You know, I was not very high on Josh Allen, and boy, did I get my ass kicked on that one? Deservedly. They are—they are just a very solid team, but the, and they have depth. But they—they they are just the team to me that is going to punish people on defense and punish people on offense. Like they're going to score so fast, they're just going to be putting up so many points this year.
2: The AFC is really top heavy. It just—you want to go against the Chiefs, but you're like, okay, who are you picking? picking up the Chiefs and I'm just like I guess one of the two AFC North teams and the Browns and the Ravens they got a great shot I still have the Ravens as my Super Bowl team but it's just so hard to go three straight years
0: well I mean to me like it's a tier thing right yeah like I have the I have the Bills at the top of the AFC I have the Chiefs not you know like right there right but it's an entire tier down when you look at the Browns and the Ravens like I don't see I don't see the Browns or the Ravens anywhere near as good as the Bills at all I think I think if you, if a if a perfectly healthy Bills team played a perfectly healthy Browns team, they beat them nine out of ten times. Mm. So, you know, I think it's a, it's not necessarily a very top heavy division, or you know, like it's not a very like spread out division. But I think that like there's different tiers, right? They've got some decent teams in the AFC.
2: There you go, there you go, Evan. That is our AFC East preview. Um, That is all I've got, sir. Do you have anything else you would like to add as we wrap up here on a Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast with Evan Swartz right before the NFL is coming back?
0: Yes, absolutely. Like I had mentioned last week and kind of uh, alluded to, uh, the 49ers Hub is very, very excited and honored, really, uh, to partner with a company called Chancer HQ. Mm-hmm. Chancer is originally, it is a news, I swear to God, a New Zealand-based sports app. That the same guy who really like revolutionized like fan voting for like American Idol and all of these like you know show based you know show you know TV based like interacting fan shows or whatever created a sports app uh, originally for rugby um, in New Zealand uh, that allowed fans to you know uh, not only like. Uh, have, kind of do somewhat of a trivia, but a guessing, and kind of compete against each other with point styles. Like uh, you can have uh, customized questions. So you know, for the 49ers, each game game week, who's going to rush for the most yards? What team is going to score first? Uh, you know, who throws the first interception? All these different things. Um, you know, the 49ers hub gets to be literally the first NFL partner. Um, for fan experience um for for 49ers games uh so there's prizes to be won you can compete against your friends uh i'm sure they'll be doing other nfl teams eventually but so if you're a 49ers fan definitely download the uh chancer app uh, i am currently at the top of the leaderboard after this week i am tied for first place because i am the best uh, but compete against me and uh other 49ers fans and check it out and maybe win some cool
2: prizes. There you go. Um I lied, I have one more quick thing. Before we go. Josh Rosen? No, no. He's he's not playing, it doesn't matter. Um Spider Man, the new trailer came out. Oh you're yeah. a big Marvel guy. What do you what do you make of the, the new trailer? So
0: personally speaking, this is my legitimate uh one, I'm very excited. The premise of the entire movie, like this is Sony's yeah. attempt at, at going, uh, this is Sony's attempt at, you know, their own version of Endgame, right? Like large scale bring everybody together show, uh, showing. The one thing that I have issues an issue with, and I could do an entire podcast on this stuff.
2: we don't have time, so we right. can I,
0: I didn't like how like Peter Parker, who's supposed to be the smartest guy in Marvel, literally mm-hmm. like one of one of the smartest like human beings in the entire Marvel comic book universe um you know he gives the glasses to the bad guy mysterio in the last movie right he stays on the on the 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 spaceship like tony said you need to get off right he keeps making these dumbass decisions that he's not supposed to do and Mm -hmm. now here he is again like screwing up dr strange's magic trick to fix this and all of a sudden destroys the multiverse like I need, I need Peter Parker to step his fucking game up. That's mm. all I'm going to say. I'm very excited for the movie. It looks amazing. Alfred Molina as uh, Doc Ock returning. Where it looks like we're going to get Jamie Foxx as Electro. All these crazy things. Looks amazing. But Peter, you're supposed to be smart as shit. Stop acting like a dumbass.
2: And bring back Andrew Garfield, the, the best Spider-Man he, of the three. He,
0: he is the best of the three and he will be in this movie.
2: Allegedly. Oh, is he really? Allegedly. Okay. I like it. I, I'm glad we agree on that. I will be think that's a hot take, but he was, I think, the best of the three.
0: He was he he is so good. Yeah, they, I they he's honestly low key my favorite.
2: There you go. Well Tykey, now you're you're on the podcast. You you put it out there. A podcast, the Evan, that people who listen to the Bill Simmons podcast, people who listen to the Ryan Rossello podcast, people who listen to the Athletic NBA show, people who listen to the crossover, people who listen to the, the bomani jones the right time with bomani jones all that they have heard it on this podcast because there is a crossover we saw in an apple podcast so evan what should those good folks who listen to brian winhorst and the hoop collective and also the chase Thomas podcast what should they do if they're listening on this apple podcast feed
0: so okay so first mm-hmm. things first you go and you at chase telling on twitter and you mm-hmm. say claudia <laughs> After that, you immediately go to whether it be your app store or uh, Spotify or, you know, all of these different places where you can listen to podcasts. And I want you to make sure that you go in and you rate it five stars. You give it the best rating possible. Why? Because I wish you guys could see Chase's uh, Google Docs spreadsheet that this man does. This (laughs) crazy son of a bitch does 400 podcasts a week. He does so much for all these different sports, for different fan bases. He puts so much time and effort. Listen, I mean this sincerely. If I had half the work ethic that Chase had, I would have a PhD by now. I mean it, if if Chase ever became a bad guy and put his work ethic towards some <laughs> evil shit, we're fucked. There's no stopping him. Like, this is one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life, and he genuinely busts his ass for what he does. So go give him a five-star rating. You've already, like, you've heard this, and you're already thinking, like, eh, well, maybe not. You're already, like, checking. No, get, fuck Twitter. <laughs> go to the App Store. Just do it, you lazy bastard. Do it.
2: Thank that you. was incredible. And I appreciate the kind words, man. I, I do appreciate it. It is weird when I put all the the docs together when I combine them. And I'm like, oh wow, this is uh, it's a lot. You would be this is just one mega doc. You haven't even seen the other docs, like the the study docs and all this other stuff. Like there's docs on docs on docs. Um, but I do appreciate it, Evan. And hey, you know it's starting to pay off, man. It's starting to pay off, which is which is good. And I appreciate you being along for the ride with me, man. I couldn't do it without you, so. I appreciate it, and I'm excited to do another NFL season with you, man.
0: Absolutely, man. I really appreciate it. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.